0: You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. As-salamu alaykum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jafri. And this
1: is Zeba Hassan. I am actually videoing on my vacation and I wanted to put myself in front of my beautiful backdrop because that's all I've been able to see of this pretty town called Park City, Utah, because we're all battling a little bit of that altitude sickness and have to stay close to a bathroom, if you know what
0: I mean. I feel so bad for that. And apologies for the worrying in my background because I have some work being done downstairs. So yeah, it sucks to be sick on vacation. Do you want to tell everybody about your landing?
1: So, you know, we were very excited. We had just left, um, you know, we've broken this trip down into multiple pieces because we haven't seen our family in a couple of years now. It'll be two years. And um, I, I wanted to have a very good time with each set of family members. So we had a, a world one time in the Chicagoland area with my family, with the nieces and nephews. It was so great to see them. Got on a plane. By the way, we were the only ones masking indoors. I made it a priority to do that, even though we are vaccinated, um, but my younger two are not. And so every time we would go somewhere indoors, I made it a point to make sure we're, we mask, we wash our hands. We're still doing all of those things, Osma, still doing all of those things. We were on our flight from Chicago to um, Salt Lake City, Utah, it is a longer flight than we're used to. I think it was like three, almost four hours. And as we were landing, literally, as we were starting our initial descent, you know, that sound goes up, we're starting, my number four started vomiting all over um, and had to wear my sweater as a little makeshift skirt, because normally I pack clothes in their carry-ons, you know, as a just-in-case when they were little. But by God's grace, mashallah, we haven't had any accidents until this time. And it's been kind of down mountain, because we are in the mountains, and I'm not going to say downhill from there. But the beauty is we're all together. Um, We're cuddling sick. And we have a change of scenery, which is God's blessing. So we're not going to complain about it. But we've all had a little bit of stomach upset since we've landed. I think it was the Devon Street food. But that could just be me saying that I don't quite know because we're still feeling it a couple of days later. So I'm hopeful that your week is a little bit better than ours. Though with this view, how can you actually complain?
0: I'm enjoying your view and I'm doing it from um, just south of you. So that's that's really nice. Through the screen, I will live vicariously through you. Um, I have just been reading and catching up on work, uh, scheduling out the rest of the year. So that's always very, you know, with me and my OCD, that's very comforting to me to get all of that lined up um, and done And at the same time. Like when I hit my goals for the day, for the work day, like just curling up with the book is always such a really, really good feeling. And what I finished most recently was The Blue Between Sky and Water by Susan Abuhawa. And you guys remember like about six weeks ago, I was talking about mornings and Janine with her. And I think that for those of us who um, want more coverage, of palestinian rights and want people to understand palestinian rights sometimes the news is just you know people will say oh i don't like politics or i don't like this or that this is a very human story mornings and janine and then also along the same lines uh the life of palestinian refugees and cell memory and generational trauma i think it's really important to read uh, the blue between sky and water as well so those are my plugs. We are not getting paid by the publishers. Those are just my book reads for the week. So, a lot better than getting vomited on in the middle of a flight. True.
1: True, true. But you know, the truth of the matter is, whenever I go on vacation is when I can do my fun reads. And so I'm going to write that book down because I love doing that. So when I'm not reading for the podcast or for um, school, I love to like try out new authors. And I, you know, again, another book plug for me is I'm starting this trilogy. I'm almost done with the first book started it yesterday called The City of Brass. And it's Um, a Muslim author and it's essentially like a fantasy magical series and I have to say I was a little skeptical because other than Harry Potter I'm not a big fantasy person but I have been devouring this book as I've been cuddling with sick kiddos Um, and I have to say it's very very good and I highly recommend that as well if someone's looking for a fun summer read when you're not trying to read all the depressing news that we sometimes have to to read so two good book options for everybody um, joining us here today and I am always curious as to what our soapbox for this week is because I know I've been a little bit under the radar as far as what's going on in the news so Usma could you tell us a little bit about what our soapbox for this week is
0: So our soapbox for the week is pretty much what you touched on earlier, and that was wearing your mask, even though the adults in your house are vaccinated, um, your younger two are not. And so previously, the CDC said, um, you know, if you were not vaccinated, you could go out and all these mask mandates were lifted, except like we're federally mandated, like airports and airplanes, right? Um, And then certain businesses had the right to ask you to mask up or don't come in. Well, you know, we saw people start taking their masks off. As soon as that mask mandate was lifted, we saw our cases of COVID go up. Yes, primarily in unvaccinated people. However, we're finding out now with the variant that we probably should get the masks back on because within a month of taking them off, if it's spiking and we're seeing more cases in fully vaccinated people, maybe this Delta variant is something to consider. So on July 27th, the CDC came up with uh, a mandate where it's not really a mandate, it is a more, it's a more—it's a stronger suggestion to wear masks, even if you're vaccinated. Um, and then one of the important things that it did change was that if you have exposure to somebody with COVID-19, even if you are without symptoms, go get tested within three to five days. Um, before that, prior to July 27th, they said, oh, until you have symptoms, don't worry about it. But now we know that we need to get tested Um, I will say that my state came out with a mandate yesterday to say that all K through 12 students and teachers, regardless of vaccination status, will wear masks in school, which is a huge relief to a large portion of the parent student population. Um, and arguably the teacher population and then a huge um, source of conflict for another very large and significant group uh, who is more worried about their right to unmask than their right to live apparently. Uh, but I'm not going to make any value judgments on it. I will say that we trust science here on the podcast and we will be wearing our masks and do continue to wear our masks regardless of the fact that we are fully vaccinated. Our soapbox is certainly to continue to follow suit with Masks and all COVID precautions to make sure that we put this thing to bed. And that's it for today.
1: I don't know about you, but I have to say, you know, like I've now heard in the last two weeks, two of my friends that have been vaccinated have gotten COVID again. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's something happening. for people to, it's happening. Um, and honestly, even in you, maybe you're not feeling the symptoms, but you can still pass it along to other people. So that is something for people to understand. So we will be continuing um, wearing our masks when we're indoors um, until otherwise, because I don't know about you, my I have had my kids in the house for almost 18 months, and I am ready for them to go back to school. So please, everybody, for the sake of God, wear your <laughs> masks. Um, but you know, August is one of my... Really super fun months because we are launching our Muslims in the news series, um, and we're going to be interviewing and talking to a lot of Muslim moms who work in the news. Um, and but we would try to introduce some of us um, to you and validate the rest. Um, what happens when there's coverage of Muslims in the news? Um, Muslims know most about breaking stories that are meant for us and our kids and we wanted to share the grief process because as you know whenever we hear about something that happens we're kind of like cringing a little bit internally like what does that mean how are they gonna um represent us is it even something that is if it's even real because sometimes it's not but it's kind of like we just have that post-traumatic stress where that is concerned and sometimes we're kind of done with all the up, the emotional upheaval and how that it's going to impact us once a new story is released. So part of what we um, are going to talk about today, Ousmane and myself, just the two of us, um, is to kind of talk a little bit about how we d- handle some of the stuff that comes up in the mo- in the news, how we talk about it with our children. Um, cause we know s- sharing some of our personal stories, our hopes is that you guys can kind of see a little bit of yourself, um, and your own mom's stories. And, you know, we are very thankful for you guys to join the day. Um, and we should go from there.
0: Well, welcome to our audience because you're coming into a special episode with just us so we always kick it off with a momming story and a momming philosophy so for those who don't know uh Zaba or myself this is a great opportunity to reconnect or to connect with us so Zeba, go ahead and tell us your momming story and your momming philosophy so everybody
1: knows my mom's story. I am, or at least if you haven't, and you're joining us for the first time today, my mom story is I am a mother of four amazing children. My oldest is about to be 18, actually, in two weeks. So I just, in my head, I still think I'm an 18-year-old. So I don't know how is it possible that I have an 18-year-old, and I have a lovely daughter, my Zara, and she am um, yeah, she's gonna be she's 15 and a half she's about to get her learner's permit oh so scary well. oh my gosh learner's going to permit i'm gonna have two drivers in my house and then i have a 10 year old boy and an eight year old boy and my mom philosophy is essentially you are doing the best that you can with what you have take each day as it can take each day as it comes um and the reality is just so you know you might think you know Something, <laughs> you, and you'll say, I feel like the best parents are the ones that do not have children because you always think you're going to know better, do better. And the reality of the situation is, we're all doing the best that we can. And part of what we wanted to do here at Mommy Well Muslim was to kind of create a platform to share, um, vent, learn from one another because, you know, we don't have all the answers, but where we don't, we go look for it and hopefully bring it to you. So, Usma. What is your parenting philosophy? Because I know it's a tad bit different than mine.
0: (laughs) So my mom's story is pretty close to Zeba's. I also have four children, three boys and a girl. We promised we did not plan that. (laughs) It just happened. Um, So I have two boys, then the girl, and then the little boy. They are uh, ranging in age from six to 13. So yeah, I had them pretty fast and furious. My philosophy is, I don't think I have one, first of all. Um, But if anything, it is to just do what is best for you and what feels right for you, as long as you're willing to stand in front of Allah at the end of the day and say, I made this decision based on this criteria and I don't think I broke your rules because of X, Y and Z. Um, That's who I care about. It took a long time to figure out that I was parenting for the sake of the onlookers and not for the sake of the children. And when I got rid of the audience and decided that that audience was not important, you audience are, but that audience and judgment was not important to me anymore, but the little people in front of me were. um, And I started parenting them instead of parenting for that audience. And I I think that's my philosophy. So I do a lot of things that seem out of the ordinary, not completely like um, Mila and Ashton uh, extraordinary but i get it like i'm okay with the not bathing every day you think too but you know that's that's for another podcast so um let's go ahead and start uh talking about some news stories that evoke some very visceral re- visceral reactions from the muslim community and if not from the muslim community then uh, certainly um for us so Let's review the latest Lisa, attacks and the news coverage of this. Zeba, you in particular wanted to talk about the National March for Palestine. Um, why, uh, tell us why and why was news coverage of that particular event important and what do you think it demonstrates uh, about, um, about American media?
1: So this is the issue, you know, I was always one, you know, it and I chat about this all the time, I'm kind of like, oh, it's not that bad. And perhaps we're, we're reading too much into it. Let's be, you know, thoughtful and blah, 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 you know, until, yeah. Until I went to this rally um, with Osma, she surprised me that weekend. And I, we had probably, I would say what, 25,000 plus. More than that. I think it was like 30,
0: closer to 30,000. It
1: was packed packed um coming together talking about things muslims jewish christian people it was an amazing very what's the word it was a very positive touching. experience it was so touching. touching yeah and not one by the way in the streets of dc steps on from the lincoln, lincoln memorial on lincoln yeah. memorial we marched all the way to the capitol building and not one news camera was there Not one representation of what was going on made it to the the news. I mean, I didn't watch the news that day. I was shocked to know that so many of my friends didn't even know there was something 30,000 plus people and you didn't even know it was going on in the nation's capital. That was kind of my first, and and I agree, I'm coming from a a place and a perspective where you know, I am. I don't have the same experiences as mainstream Muslim people or more visibly Muslim people. So, and I and I I want to acknowledge that. But this was my first insight look into the representation and not being represented. Um, in what's going on so you know in was my always talked to me a little bit about this and a lot of my other Muslim friends and I would listen with a sympathetic and empathetic ear feeling like maybe there's a little bit more to the story than what they're relaying and it was the first time I had really experienced that this is true um, it wasn't shown or talked about at all. And I was just very, very upset by that process. Regardless of where you are on the issue, the fact that it wasn't even talked about was very shocking to me. But I know, Asma, well for you, it's not like that. And do you want to tell tell our audience a little bit about where you're coming from and why it isn't as shocking to you?
0: I mean, it's not shocking because we know that most of our news in America is privatized. So like a lot of um, private industry or individuals own a lot of our news channels, news publications. And for that reason, whatever your owner says you can do, you're going to do. Whatever your owner allows you to say, you're going to say. Whatever your owner allows you to publish, that's what you're going to Publish right, and so we know that Palestinian rights for the last seventy-three years have been um, have not been an issue that the West is uh, going to promote or going to advance in any way, shape, or form. And just to uh, to qualify how we know that there was no major press coverage was because Zeba and I were right behind the press pit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were up there by the podium. And that's where all the press was. Well, it was a lot of independent press, but CNN, Fox, um, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, all the major news channels were not there. There were no reporters from the Post or the Times, or um, I don't even think USA Today was there, but I might be wrong about that. I think I might have seen their sign somewhere. But, you know, it was It was disappointing in one way because it was the first time so many of us gathered for Palestine and we weren't arrested, we weren't pepper sprayed, we weren't beaten. Um, None of that happened. And, you know, the police were like like ants getting Mm -hmm. away from us. Because remember, in DC, they had just gone through the Black Lives Matter thing. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to, I think they're trying to promote their image. There's that. And then there was the whole independent news sources and social media and people on the ground um, in Gaza and Philistine showing us, telling us, hey, this is what's actually happening. We are just sitting for our evening fast and we're being shot with rubber bullets and we didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. We're just eating, you know, or we're just praying and they are tear gassing us. So I think it was the first time the world saw it. And so there was, um, a concerted effort on the part of, the authorities to make sure that they did not um, advance that aspect um, look like the bad guy basically. So while it was disappointing, it was not surprising because this is what we have seen our whole lives. We have seen atrocities happen in Palestine on the news on video and it got like a blip on the news and then disappeared because nobody's ever held accountable Um, And it doesn't seem like there's anybody willing to step up to hold to account. So even though there are world powers, quote unquote, if you're not exercising your power and you're not exercising your privilege, then why are you taking up space? Scoot over and give somebody else the seat and the mic. Um, So that's kind of um, how I felt about it.
1: No, I agree. And like I said, I, I was just personally like a little upset by the situation and and it kind of made me start thinking on a personal level like let me start delving a little bit more deeply into this and in trying to figure out you know what everybody had been talking about um until this point so I I agree that we need to have a little bit more of the representation and I'm glad that we're talking about this and highlighting some of the the Muslim moms that are in the news doing the hard work and I'm really excited and looking forward to hearing their stories as they come up but you know let's let's go back in time a little bit um, um, and, talk, and talk about the San Bernardino shooting, uh, you know, and, we, and we've talked about this personally, off camera, off um, recording. So, you know, it was about like, tell me a little bit about what your feelings were about that, and how that, the fallout of what happened as a result affected your family personally.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, back in 2015, yeah, granted uh, that shooting happened later in the year. But if you remember the whole announcement about it, mm-hmm. uh, initially they they misnamed the attacker twice. So mm-hmm. first they gave him a Turkish nationality by his name, but then they uh, said he was a Qatari citizen. And then they came up with another Pakistani to his name who was an actual person who lived in San Bernardino, but had nothing to do with it. So like now he's getting attacked and everybody's finding him. And then, oh, no, wait, there's this is the third name. We finally got it right in the meantime. People are responding on socials and Twitters and, like, um, the news, like, comments, like, oh, these names, who cares what their name is? They sound Muslim. Get those people the F out of here, you know? And so you've already incited violence, right, by doing this. And Muslims can't come back and say, oh, you incited violence against my people. That second guy, that Pakistani guy who was misidentified, he can't come back and sue. Because, you know, I guess it's like a national security thing and oh there's this terror threat, and then this is what blows my mind about it. In what world would the alleged attackers home be opened up to the media, so they can go through and photograph Oh, he had this many copies of the Quran. Oh, he had this many like Islamic illustrations, like, you know, Islamic, ooh, Islamic looking art all over his house. Um, it says Allah's name all over his house. And oh my God, he must have been um, this crazy, crazy person. And oh, look at that. His wife was involved too. So that kind of takes you back to the whole Orlando gay bar shooting by that Muslim guy. In what world would the spouse of an attacker? Um, be arrested and have a case brought against her just for being married to the guy. And I think she had even been divorced because he was gay, right? So she wasn't even with them and she gets in trouble. So it's kind of like, not only does this San Bernardino shooter get shot, his wife does too. And who knows, was she hostage? Nobody knows because they shot them. And it tells us, yes, I'm a conspiracy theorist. It tells me that there was something to hide. I have watched a lot of 24 And that's why I can tell you that there was a story they needed to hide, because if the press or you were to come into my house right now, the only art I have up is Islamic art. Because, as you know, like a lot of devout Muslims will not have pictures in their house that is uh, considered sacrilegious by them and considered idol worship by them. So they will only have the name of God because the artistic veneration of God is shown through Islamic calligraphy, Islamic mosaicism. We all have that. And yes, I probably have. 20 to 30 copies of the Quran in my house because I have different translations. I have different colors. I have different renditions so that my kids can easily learn from it so that I can easily pick it up and read it and hand it out if I freaking want to. Um, That does not make me an extremist or a terrorist or more likely to shoot you. But, you know, the press is going through this man's house completely messing up a crime scene, by the way, the day of. And like, nobody's come in to catalog anything. Nobody's come in to collect any kind of, you know, artillery or weapons or anything like that. But it's open. That would never happen to a non-Muslim. And then, you know, 2015 was the year that John Ritzheimer collected his anti-Muslim patriots to come and demonstrate outside of a major masjid in my town um Mm -hmm. so yeah it was talked about a lot not just in uh nationally internationally it was also talked about locally right it was all over the news um and these basically nazis who attacked jews and muslims equally with equal fervor um, are you know saying all kinds of things about ISIS and Muslims are the ones who do everything bad in the world. Meanwhile, they're stalking a house of worship and preventing the worshipers from getting in safely. Um, that was the year that my son, uh, I think, was in first grade, and uh, he mentioned that he was Muslim. And one of his classmates turned to him and said, "Oh, does that mean you're ISIS?" And so my seven-year-old is coming home to me and saying, "Oh, am I ISIS?" or asking me if he's ISIS. And it's like no so now as a mom i'm having to have this conversation probably a decade earlier than i wanted to with him um because at the time you know we made sure never to have the news on with the kids and we didn't want them to get scared about anything we didn't want them to misunderstand like we wanted them to live their lives the way that we were modeling it and that was a life of worship and service and you know kindness and you know that's not what isis is and this was something that I had to explain to him. And it was a very complicated discussion, but I tried to simplify it. It just, it was really traumatic for me as a parent to have to do that as a result of what was going on. And the coverage that was being provided, I believe, I'm, uh, I'm convinced is unequal, disproportionate, and unfair.
1: Because to talk about like normal people, right? Just living their best lives. I'm reading books on vacation, drinking emergency to make sure we don't get anyone that doesn't that's not newsworthy. And that's boring. You know, the we're boring people and the concept of um, sensationalizing something that is quote unquote foreign has probably always been the case. So the fact that we're talking about this and bringing awareness to this, you know, for our non-Muslim audience members, you know, remember before you repeat something that you think you've heard, there is a person behind that. Um, and, And it is our, it's incumbent for us to kind of minimize that sensationalism. And, you know, when we're talking about it with our, our kids, you know, how to learn about what's real, what's not real, where to look at these sources. These are something that we as Muslims have to teach our kids every single day, because a lot of them are just normal American Muslim children that are being brought into this, you know, circle, and they don't even know why. And as parents, we have to explain it to them, have these kind of frank, uncomfortable conversations, because, they're being, just by their nature, they're being politicized, and, and they don't even know why. So that is something extra that we as American Muslim moms have to do for our our children. But let's, let's go back to that, you know, speaking of children, um, let's go back to that atomic clock story, you know, like, we're, we're going back in time again, like, how the heck does a teacher not know what a clock is versus what a bomb is as my daughter would say shaking my damn heads like you know that's her (laughs) new her new thing smh smh everything is smh you know we love love teachers here on the podcast and you know but this particular one needs to go back a little bit to school, or maybe get schooled. And I'm gonna let Ozma school her a little bit about this story.
0: <laughs> so, this is uh, doubly sad for me because it was coming out of Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the story of the little boy, I believe he was 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he built an atomic clock as a project for school because building a clock is hard for anybody mm-hmm. who hasn't done it, you know, it is not an easy thing to do. And this kid built the atomic clock. And for those who don't know what an atomic clock is, it is this kind of international standard for the most accurate clock there is. There isn't just one. It can be built. And so a lot of us who work in like the business field or like when I was teaching, um, we used the atomic clock to set all of the class schedules so that nobody was ever late. Well, when Ahmed Mohammed did it, uh, 14 years old, I take it back, when he built the clock, his teacher heard atomic clock and then called the police, Mm -hmm. called the police to arrest a 14-year-old. And they did. They put him in handcuffs and took him to the police station. Um, And it was like a big to-do, got a lot of coverage. Like, oh, this Muslim kid at 14, who I believe was born and raised in the United States, by the way. um, Oh, he built the bomb. Because we have homegrown terrorists, homegrown terrorists, homegrown terrorists. How many times have we heard that since 9-11 happened? And then this kid does it. And just so you know, the Committee on Counterviolence and Extremism that was formed after 9-11, what they have found is that homegrown terrorists are not brown. They're not black. They're not Muslim. They're white supremacists. They're all white supremacists, but they're not allowed to say it. Ask me why. Ask me why. Why? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's I'm an agenda. It's a whole conspiracy, right? Because we can't let the the people that are in power, which, by the way, is the minority race on the entire planet, white, um, we have to protect them in this bubble. We're not allowed to expose who is actually the homegrown terrorist. Well, in, in this case, Emin Mohammed finally, like, you know, his um, parents pulled him out of school. They pulled him out of the country because a country that cannot... Um, I think Obama called him to apologize and say, hey, like, you're good. Another university offered him, like, full tuition and Mm -hmm. scholarship when when he attends there. But his parents left the country with him because they're like, if this nation is not going to educate its teachers to educate its students and keep them safe and just vilify them based on the fact of their religion, then this isn't the country it says it is. And this isn't a country we have to stay in. And this isn't a country whose universities, whose teachers, whose people deserve the brain of my child. So for a long time, America used to import these brains from overseas. Those brains aren't coming back. They are leaving. Those countries that were banned for a very long time, and those brilliant minds are not going to want to come here. And if I was that parent, I would have done the same thing. You don't deserve my child. Um, And it it just it tells me that, you know, schools are not safe for my children. And I am 100% comfortable never letting my kids set foot in a classroom because of something like that that happened. And, you know, in my home state, arguably, it it saddens me even more. But, you know, that is just the truth of it. And that's how it affects uh, a lot of the decision making that I have about, you know, my children.
1: Well, you know, and, you know, just to put, you know, to be play devil's advocate or to to, to put a more, um, a different spin to it, you know, I do have kids in mainstream schools, and I've been lucky that they've been supported um, when things have happened, including my daughter being called a terrorist when she was five-year-old by another, like, the, but but what I'm saying is that there are circumstances where you we are getting the support that we need, we are, um, you know, it's not all bad. So I do want to, you know, pull that back a little bit. Um, but part of the reason is because I, as a personal person, am a huge advocate for my children. Um, and and I feel like if you are going to be in mainstream schools, um, we need more Muslim um, moms and dads and parents in the PTA so that we have that representation um, going and being part of the school board, all of these types of things, and it's going to be hard being that person, that first person, or the person that's advocating. But the reality of the situation is, you know, escaping is not necessarily something that all of us can do. So if you're choosing to stay here, let's stay here, put our face on, and do the hard work. So I want to provide a little bit of that perspective as well. Um, as much as I respect Ozma's decision, and I love it. I have to stay here. And so because I'm going to stay here, I'm going to be an advocate for my children um, as much as I possibly can. But, you know, all these stories are upsetting and, you know, at some point we get desensitized right to some of these school shootings and mass shootings. And I mean, it's just so much, but you know, one of the, the biggest ones that I remember is the Las Vegas shooting and how terrible that is. So, how do you feel about that? I mean, a Muslim person wasn't even involved in that particular shooting.
0: But do you remember like when the story first, we all, you know, we held our collective breath. We're like, and this is what happens, you know, in the Muslim community, Muslim American community, this is primarily what's happening. Every time there's an event like that or a mass shooting, even if it's a school shooting, we're all holding our breath. And we know in the school shooting, it's usually not going to be a Muslim kid um but like in these mass public shootings we're like oh Allah don't let it be a Muslim don't let it be a Muslim mm-hmm. and then the story breaks it's not a Muslim you know after they like fact check a couple of times and like oh wait it's not a Muslim and then the media like lets it out that it, it that it isn't now they have to backtrack because all the the stuff that mm-hmm. they said oh it was so terrorizing oh so many people were terrorized or whatever oh wait it was a white dude oh pull it back um he's he has mental Ill. health issues yes always right so we don't ever get to stop grieving our collective breath is still held because we're still hoping that justice will be had that justice will be served that you know the news will actually call a duck a duck and call a terrorist a terrorist regardless of his color regardless of his religion and how come the white guy's religion is not posted in the headline you know because i mean let's face it like the orlando shooter he wasn't super religious right you know i mean he's Mm -hmm. he wasn't and now uh, you have this other dude who maybe is some kind of a fundamentalist but he's not the right kind of fundamentalist for the news to talk about and so our grief process we never get closure it never ends and then the next event happens and it it just builds and builds and builds until you get the kind of resentment that you're hearing in my voice
1: Right. And, and, you know, there, there are circumstances, and I do want to call that out where the shooter or the issue is Muslim related, mm-hmm. or they're acting on behalf of Islam, or they're acting on behalf of, of their, Muslims say they, they, are. They, yeah. they, they, they say they are, mm-hmm. you know, so we do also have to deal with that. And, you know, Islam and being Muslim is a huge demographic. And yet all of us, when that does happen, we still have to um, say, oops, I'm sorry, we didn't mean to, we have to apologize, we have to kind of go through that way. And, and by the way, we do have to work on those types of things in our communities. And we are trying to do that. Um, And and fundamentally, here at Mommy Wall Muslim, as mothers, we're doing that because we're trying to raise that next generation of American Muslims that don't have, inshallah, by God's will have these types of issues, but they it still happens and we still have to apologize and we're still doing that, which also makes it that much more stressful for us. So I just feel like we never get a chance to just be. And I don't know how you feel about that, Ozma.
0: I mean we don't because um, I, I feel like for a really long time after 9/11 happened, we were like working really hard on the PR campaign, right? before that, we just kept our heads down and worked. Like, succeed, get strong, build your community. And then the right hand gives so that the left hand doesn't know. So Muslims, since they they immigrated here back in the 60s, to Black Muslims, who are the first Muslims in the United States since the era of slavery in America, they have all been working to better their communities, but never got any credit for it, never asked for it, Okay, Um, Now, after 9-11, let's start doing this PR work. And then when that didn't get enough, it's like, wait, nobody is noticing the PR work. That's not getting any news coverage either, because that's, Mm -hmm. it's not mainstream. It's not important. And like you said, it's really boring. Muslims who are good, that's not making the news. And that's not worth making a movie about. We learned last month on Muslims and entertainment. So, um, Let's look for the Muslims who are speaking up. Why aren't they speaking up? Um, And then even if you do get vocal and you start making political comments and you start saying and pointing out to the news like, hey, this was done wrong or this was said wrong or this is not true, then you get vilified like a particular doctor in my city um, who lost her job because Mm. she spoke up. Uh, about the truth of Gaza and you know again when we're talking about generational trauma her parents are refugees from the 1967 war and so you know she grew up in refugee camps she made it out she became a doctor and then when she speaks out against the atrocities that are happening against Palestinian people and the loss of their civil liberties and human rights she gets fired for it because the right people came after her the right people with the right connections in the hospital system and in the media came after her and so that's another thing that we have to worry about we can't even speak our truth because the risk to our jobs the risk to our livelihood the risk to our families right because who knows how many death threats she's gotten her social media accounts are all closed so you you can never win you know if you don't say anything you certainly are at a loss and if you do say something you risk everything Um, So that to me is again disproportionate coverage or lack of coverage of Muslim Americans and I'm over it and I'm so excited about this month where we're going to be talking about how important it is to kind of strike some kind of a balance, a better balance, because when we know better we can do better and I feel like when the public is holding the news media and the industry to account and saying We want both sides, because this is not what we learned in school. This is not fair, and this is not just, and both parties need to be able to come and to argue their cases or to present their cases, or you as the media have the job to provide unbiased news to me, and you haven't been doing that for years. And look what happened to our world. It went to crap. It was not like this when we were growing up in America. It absolutely wasn't. Yes, we grew up disproportionately hating the Soviets. Back in the eighties. Yes. I will say that.
1: And, and, and now ironic. and that's
0: not, now that's
1: rubbing off on my number three who's reading about the Cold War right now. Oh, really? <laughs> oh no. He's moved on from World War Two and he is now in the Cold War. Cold and War. Like, look at that. I, he's like, you know, the Soviets. I'm like, honey let's keep let's get there but I think it's we'll get hilarious. him on the war
0: on terror our fake war on terror as fast as possible so we could have him on the show this month <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is that, that'll be that'll be the next thing but you know part of what we have to do with uh is to have that representation in the media. Is to kind of con- help control the narrative, or you know, pass the mic to other people that can. And that is kind of what we want to do this month. And we're super excited about being able to do that and having amazing, amazing mamas um, in the news on this month. And pu- in, in, in lieu of the rapid fire, I'm excited to say that you and I are going to be recording together next week. So do you want to tell our audience about what we're doing next week and how excited we're going to be um, and how grateful we are, speaking of controlling the mic, um, about this opportunity that we have?
0: So Zeba and I were selected for the second time to uh, appear at a national, I I would say arguably it's an international podcasting conference and we will be together in person in Nashville, Tennessee, and they have uh, a recording booth on site. So I still have to figure out how we're going to do it on video so you guys can see the fancy schmancy recording studio. I, I saw it A couple years back, pre-pandemic, when I went Mm -hmm. to the conference by myself because Ava couldn't attend that one. And I saw the recording studios on site and I was like, oh, I wish we could record over there. And now this is our dream come true. We're super excited. We have some private events that we've been invited to by major people who might be on Shark Tank and own a basketball team. So I don't know. Uh, we're super excited to meet all these people and see the things that they are doing for uh, radio, TV, communications, podcasting. I think the key word here is communications because that looks mm-hmm. so different now for us than it did when we were growing up because there's so many more media right now. We know what power it has in the news um, and the news that you receive are the stories that you receive. Let's let's mm-hmm. put it that way because stories a lot of times are going to be a lot more relatable like ours here on Mommy and Muslim than just if like our Entire podcast was my soapbox it would turn off a lot of you guys so we're super excited to be recording over there and to be talking continue to talk about muslims in the news next week and for the rest of the month and we hope that you guys will register to see us you can see us virtually um, if you would like to Um, And it's podcastmovement.com, podcast 2021. And if you register with code, all caps, web secret, then you can see us at a very, very discounted rate virtually on your computers like you did last year. So we're super excited about that.
1: And then when this airs live, I think we're gonna be sharing that link um, in our comments. So look for the comments below. But I know um, the funny thing is we are not gonna be sharing a room. And why are we not sharing a room Osma
0: Do you want to tell people you're, about you're that? Just, you're afraid of like my bodily functions. I'm not sure. No, yeah, I booked a room for saying. us together and she dissed me. And all. I was like,
1: I said, no, we cannot share a room. And this is why this woman does not sleep. <laughs> Literally, she is like a vampire. And I am everybody knows if you listen to the podcast that I love, love, I have to be in bed by night. So as it is, Osmo's kind of giving me a little bit of a push and saying, you're going to stay up a little bit past nine. Yes. So you guys will get to see our stories and what we're doing. And we're really excited to share this journey with you because it's the first time we're able to do this in person. Um, I will be wearing my mask. Um, so know that ahead of time, other than when we're on stage presenting about how podcasting, we can be advocates in the podcasting world so i am super excited about that and inshallah we will see you i mean i'm going to see you as my in a couple of days yes. so i am hopeful and um that we're going to
0: have a lot of fun stories to tell you guys when we get back inshallah super excited everybody thanks so much for joining us on another episode alaikum, yes. everyone Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. as alaikum, everyone.